0: hey welcome to the street shots photography podcast with the switch to manual guys i am antonio and i'm tom and how are you today tom how are you doing i'm good i'm good how are you doing i'm doing okay i, I can't do that the <laughs> i'm from manhattan <laughs> 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 <was a> hoity Toity. <laughs> yeah, from across the You know when I was growing up, Manhattan and Brooklyn, they were like other countries. They're separate countries when I was when I was Yeah, here. yeah. Well now Brooklyn is the new Manhattan, so Brooklyn is the up? new United States. We've got it all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need to see one of those pictures like the the New Yorker cover. It shows Brooklyn and then the rest of the world in the background. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're at episode 21, and this one, we thought the subject would be doing the opposite. And this sort of evolved from, from a Seinfeld episode. For those of you who watch Seinfeld, there's this one episode when George is feeling really bad with his life, and he suddenly decides that, you know what, every decision he was making up to that point was wrong, so what if he suddenly did the opposite? And so instead of ordering what was it a tuna on toast and coffee at the coffee shop, he just dis- uh-huh. he decides to get a chicken salad on rye, not toasted, and a cup of tea. That's somehow the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, and it, you know from there
1: are spirals where his life just he starts succeeding wildly where he had failed in the past. And yeah, yeah, It's hilarious.
0: And, and this episode has inspired me in all sorts of. Bits of my life. And when I watch the little clip again, we'll put that in the show notes too, so you guys can have a laugh. I think about that in all terms of my life. Like sometimes, you know, the routine that I do, it would so be great to do something different, you know, and take a different train or walk down a different route. And so we thought maybe we could, how do we apply this to photography? And we thought, man, there's so much we could do about talking about doing the opposite.
1: Yeah, and it ties into a, a previous podcast where we were talking about finding your voice and in your you know visual style. One of the points we made then is that you know it's easy to get into all kinds of habits, so that you know, I mean, partially, yeah, you're finding what you like and you're you're producing your own unique um, style, but but sometimes that can become constraining, and and we forget. What other options there are and, and what we might do to, to be creative, to push the envelope, to evolve our own personal styles. And so a really easy way to go about experimenting is just to take what you do and do the complete opposite. You know, if you shoot landscapes, shoot some people. If you shoot people, shoot some landscapes. Um, if you do a lot of color, try black and white. And, you know, we're not saying, like, devote six months of your life to the opposite, but it's just... The idea of playing around when you are out shooting and and try some different things and you might be
0: surprised by what you find. And it's a lot of fun to try to figure out what those opposites are. You know, uh, so if it's funny that you said the opposite of landscape is people. (laughs) (laughs) You include people in your landscapes. That's true. Yeah. Got to solve both of those things, but yeah, I would think the same thing if you're. For me, I'm not – I look back at my work and I, for the longest time, was not photographing people. Uh, I mean I did occasionally but not, you know, candid street shots of people. And, you know, I don't know what encouraged me to do the opposite of what I was doing before and suddenly go around and start shooting people. But I'm really sort of reaping the benefits of having chosen a different doorway, you know, on the other side of the room.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It opened up a whole creative, you know, frontier that you're now exploring. I mean, this whole new huge body of work, even this podcast, street street shots, street you know? shots, like yeah, it's kind of grown out of your work, Tony. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to feel like you know, I didn't exist prior to <laughs> you doing street photography, and I'm now kind of like a creation of your artistic uh blossoming. Wait, my head is just
0: getting too big for the headphones here. <laughs> that that sound you hear is that the headphones I- exploding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. You were not doing that before and you started doing it for whatever reason, you know, partially maybe the camera, the gear, but but you started it and all of a sudden you found like, wow, I really like this and and then, you know, and that's when uh I think we produce our best work is when you're Following your bliss, as Joseph Campbell said, you know, follow your bliss,
0: and doors will open. You just never know where it'll lead. So, what? Let's go through some of the opposites. I mean, we just went through, you know, landscape, people, but there's got to be some more.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think a good one to mention is like, I mean, if you're always shooting in um, automatic. You know, we are the switch to manual guys, so that's one way to hey <laughs> do, do, do the opposite. Switch your camera to manual and see what kind of creative frontier that opens up. You know, that that's a game changer. And for those of you who are, you know, shooting in manual all the time, um, now and then I will put it on AV um, or auto. You know, I, I shot some shots last night in automatic just to see what the camera would do. And it's always interesting. It'll surprise me, you know, some of my habitual things that I tend to do is like I'll oftentimes shoot with a pretty high ISO Mm -hmm. and whenever if I switch to... The uh, aperture priority mode or automatic, you know, the camera will just naturally select a much lower ISO. Mm -hmm. It gives your image a much different look and feel. And, you know, I mean, you may do the opposite sometimes and say, wow, I, you know, I, I don't like that. I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. But I think sometimes you say, wow, that's kind of cool. And I never would have got there had I not just played around and done the complete opposite of what I normally do. So the idea is, you know, try the opposite and then if you see something you really like, you know, then see see where that leads you.
0: So here's one that's going to get a lot of pushback related to what you're just saying. I just thought well, for me lately the opposite has been not shooting raw files, right? I'm shooting uh-huh. mostly JPEGs. Now, the the parentheses behind <laughs> It's like, yeah, I shoot RAW as backup, so so I'm not not shooting RAW. But before I started shooting with the current camera that I'm in love with and, you know, would like to be buried with, <laughs> the Fuji X100T, and actually I was with the earlier Fuji that I have, the Fuji X20. Uh, prior to that, I was always shooting RAW, and I'd advocate shooting RAW all the time. And, you know, I'm not not advocating it, but I put some faith in the, man- the camera manufacturer in this case Fuji and went with their JPEG files that were coming out of the camera. And to me that was the exact opposite of what I've been talking about for the longest time. You know, shooting RAWs only and then making JPEGs and, and and processing those things. And now I've done the opposite. Whereas I'm not coming back to Lightroom or Aperture to process my pictures. I'm letting the camera do that. I'm outputting JPEGs from the camera, sometimes straight out of the camera. Like but when you were talking about letting the camera choose these ISOs, like I was thinking, you're having some faith in the the equipment that you're using. So, mm-hmm. I decided to have some faith in in my camera and see what happens. And I am, it is it is something that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting myself to fall in love with something that was straight out of the camera that didn't require me to sit in front of my computer and process it further. Yeah, uh, well, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, so, it makes the, it makes the point. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go there. ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, um, I mean, we are the Switch to Manual guys, and we're all about taking creative control of the camera. But, you know, a lot of time and energy has gone into the design of these cameras, and they can do all kinds of incredible things. So, um, yeah, I, you know, the the notion that at times it's okay to play around with just what your camera can do to learn a few more things about it and and then to let that inform your work, even if you go back to manual later, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the the camera's capacity to, to shoot with this filter or to lower the ISO or to, you know, prioritize the shutter or the aperture, all of those different things will give you different looks. So, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, opening up to learning from the camera.
0: And we talk about like a leap of faith in a way, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as another practical thing, one of the things I used to do a lot is shoot color with a very low ISO so that I have a nice clean file. And lately I've taken to shooting black and white with a high ISO. And so that the picture is very grainy or noisy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking at those pictures and realizing, you know, I'm coming up with something new that I would have never done before or may not have thought to do if when I was shooting color with a low ISO. It wouldn't have occurred to me necessarily to turn into black and white and, and add all this noise into the picture. And I hate saying noise. It's not I don't think it's relevant anymore I think yeah, I would texture. call it texture or grain which is mm-hmm. you know harking back to the old days. Mhm. Yeah,
1: and just call it color and black and white in general, you know. I'll, color and black and white in general, yeah. Yeah, most folks have a have a preference for one or the other and so if you're mostly shooting color all the time just for the fun of it, you know, switch your camera to monochrome. If you've never done that before, it's a really fun thing to do and you can just look at your manual and find out how to do that because it's you know I think there's value in taking a shot and looking at the back of your camera and seeing it in black and white mm-hmm. as opposed to just doing it in post-production on your computer later. Because, again, it's about sort of being creative. And even if you're you're a color shooter, you know you're going to be a color shooter forever, There's, I think there's still value in shooting in black and white just for fun. It, you'll see things, you'll notice things, the contrast, the shadows, mm-hmm. playing with light. And then you go back to color, I think you know it, it enriches your capacity to shoot in color and and vice versa.
0: So here's another opposite: uh, telephoto and wide angle. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great one. Yeah. So the, yeah, the two differences are photographing in telephoto and compressing that distance between your subject and and the background being very out of focus or very less depth of field. You know, so perhaps you're shooting of flowers or you're shooting people and you're you're at a distance and you're really compressing them. Now people shooting at wide angle can look kind of silly. I wouldn't necessarily do for portraits, but this idea of like, well, you know, I'm going to shoot instead of I'm going to shoot at a distance, I'm going to move up closer with a wide angle lens and go for an incredibly deep depth of field. So I have a lot of focus Mm -hmm. and seeing Mm -hmm. what happens,
1: you know? Yeah. yeah, And even, even within a particular shoot, I mean, I think there's wisdom and, you know, doing this kind of thing because you know, we all have our favorite lenses and cameras and it's real easy to just rely on what you know, but say you're shooting an event or, you know, it's a whatever, a company picnic even, you know, if, if you love your telephoto and, and, you know, you take 500 images with your telephoto and zero with a wide angle, then, you know, there's nothing that just kind of captures the, the overall vibe of the group gathering, Mm -hmm. the sky. And so, you know, I think just for doing justice to a particular event um, or, a, you know, a wedding is a good example too, you know. I mean, any good wedding photographer is going to be changing up the lenses at times to get the details of the place settings and to get back at the ambiance of the whole reception and then, you know, to get some close-ups of people involved and candids. And so, you know, even even within one particular event, it's good to just remind ourselves not to get stuck in in one rut of shooting, but to to change it up.
0: Yeah. And I'm also thinking that like if you're shooting the telephoto, you tend to stand back from your subjects. And if that's what you're used to, doing the opposite would mean taking a wide angle and getting closer.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, and so
0: and vice versa too. I mean if you're so used to going in close to people with a wide angle lens, what would happen to your shots if you stood back a distance and shot them with telephoto just how what what is the look of the pictures what what what's the voice that you're creating with Mm -hmm. those two different subjects so that's a great opposite another one i'd like to talk about is weather or not even weather how about you know day and night yeah yeah day and night that's one that i haven't explored as much i mean when i go out and shoot at night and i do that so rarely because of i don't know why because i'm lazy or i just don't you know i'm getting home from work and i want to go at night but when i've done shoots at night i am so excited by the results because i don't do that that often you know i don't go out and set up my camera on a tripod and do you know, i've done some time-lapse video mm-hmm. at night which is not photography well it is time-lapse is a bunch of still pictures over time not necessarily photography per se but like long exposures at night uh, of the skyline of New York, and now that summer's here it's', it's a really good time to go out because the, there 's a lot more daylight, so your your shooting time sort of increases mm-hmm. yeah uh, no, at dusk and you 're not freezing to death, but i 'm so mm-hmm. excited when I go photograph at night because i don 't do that that often i 'm always I'm always photographing during the day yeah No, it's that 's
1: a perfect example, you know i mean, and it's one of those things where yeah, it might not even occur to you unless you are intentionally thinking. Okay, I'm going to pull a George Costanza and do the opposite. <laughs>
0: because you know sometimes you swim upstream just, instead of downstream.
1: Right. Sometimes you don't even think you know to grab your camera and shoot if you're going out and you know it's on the later side and and you're like oh you know you just don't even think of you know shooting. But, yeah, try it. And then, you know, you spend, you spend an evening shooting in various light conditions. And then the next time you find yourself shooting, you know, indoors even in low light, you're going to have learned a whole bunch of things yeah. shooting at night that will
0: carry over and improve your work. I had an instructor at a school of visual arts. Uh, I think it was my first year. And something that I remember he said was during a sunset, most people are pointing their cameras at the sun. Or often are pointing their cameras at the sun. And this instructor said, turn your camera around. Look in the other direction and see what's being lit by the sun. And to me, that sort of falls into this opposite kind of thing. You know, we often like to look at the event that's happening in front of us. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe not just a sunset. Let's, let's expand it a little bit. You know, at, a, at an event, at a concert, you know, we're always pointing the picture the camera at the stage and you're taking a picture of the band or what's going on what's going to happen if you turn that camera around and point it at the crowd that's looking at the at the stage
1: absolutely i i, I think those are some of the most interesting images and you know what kind of sets apart the work of a professional because you know when when sort of like the amateur hobbyist is at an event and you're shooting, you know, you're, you tend to be in the crowd and, you know, and the celebrity is in front of you and you're shooting them along with, you know, a thousand other people. But, you know, the interesting image like is that's going to be in the New York times is those thousand people yeah. all in fascinating, you know, enthralled by the celebrity. And it's, yeah, it's that interesting, unusual angle. And so, yeah, that's another do the opposite, you know, of, Think about standing in the complete opposite
0: position or point of view. Yeah, absolutely. We could probably go on for another five hours. Here's another thing. When we ran that little class uh, we did for free in our neighborhood to show people how to take pictures of their children. Uh-huh. Remember that? Yeah. I yeah. know. Uh, I thought we charged thousands for oh, it. Oh, we charged thousands. Yes, we charged. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was very expensive. We, <laughs> we took only credit cards. <laughs> Just remember that for everybody. Yes, we try. We're very expensive people. Anyway, I recall telling them, I think, that we're always focused on the child's face. Uh Uh, And that's the first thing we think about. And, And great. Take pictures of their face. But kids do so many things with their hands and with their feet and with things that they're looking at. And I'm not quite saying that's the opposite, but maybe it's an opposite way of thinking
1: yeah well it's like the you know this some super cool baby shots are just of like the uh you know the baby's hand you know yeah. with something that puts it in,
0: in perspective and so yeah you're holding a, a toy you know or, or petting their dog or something that's not the obvious thing that you're looking at it's not the you know it's not exactly what's happening in front of you it's something off to the side you know I think that sort of fits into doing the opposite because the opposite is sort of going against your instincts a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with the instincts because that's what they are. They're instincts. They're there for Mm -hmm. a reason. But to swim upstream a little bit from those instincts finds that, you know, you may succeed, you may not succeed. And even if you don't succeed, I wouldn't say that that's a reason not to swim upstream.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's all about just, you know, being being playful and um, experimentational just having fun. And, you know, if something doesn't work, then whatever, you know, it's digital photography. You're not really losing anything. But oftentimes, I think when we think outside the box and do things differently, you know, you learn, you, you produce something you wouldn't otherwise have produced. And, and you never know, like George
0: Costanza, you never know how it might change your life. I, I just – another one popped in my head and this is <laughs> – George, <laughs> <laughs> another one popped in my head just now, and I thought I better start taking my own medicine. But you know, if we are used to taking portraits of people, right? So, you go and here's one I should probably do. I'm walking around the street taking pictures of people. What would happen? What would be the opposite of that? Taking pictures of myself. I was just, I, I wrote down that note. Tony. Really? I, yeah. I, and yeah. And I'm not talking about account. selfies.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah, no, an actual self-portrait. I mean, that can be really educational. I mean, for one thing, it'll just remind you what it feels like to be on the other end of the lens, and and that'll make you more compassionate when you're taking somebody else's picture.
0: Yeah, and a a serious self-portrait. I mean, an environmental portrait. Portrait, what is it like to do that to yourself? Yes, it puts you in the other person's chair, certainly. It it also means you're having some sort of commune with yourself you know which is
1: it's uh, yeah I think it's a it's an awesome learning experience to and it's fun you know and uh, some really famous images are self-portraits and of course it's nice because you know you're not like dragging somebody else out to the park or some interesting place to shoot you're not needing to pay for or find a model or get a friend to model you know you can always just take self-portraits and yeah, and it's really—I think it's not just a castaway. You know, it can can really be a fun thing. And it's, you know, after 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 you do it, if you get a decent one, then you know it's always nice to change your profile picture on social media. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, so. and, not,
0: and not have it be like a shot with your arm in the shot as you're doing it. Right, as you're right. doing a selfie. Yeah. yeah, I like to I like to point out that, that a self portrait is is very s- different than a selfie. As I really can't stand that word, but. It's in the dictionary now. So the self-portrait really is trying to find something in you that you can express through the photograph like you do with other people. So mm-hmm. the selfie is really more about, I think, showing you where you are at that time and, you know, showing off a little bit. So you wouldn't – and offline, you were talking about Jung. You had said something that I wanted to get in here Uh huh. that that sort of fits with what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I was saying – You said you know,
0: highbrow, lowbrow.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, the, George, if Seinfeld is the lowbrow version of all this, then, you know, C.G. Jung would be the highbrow. But, um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality test. And, you know, it measures whether you're introverted or extroverted, thinking, you know, a thinker or a feeler, kind of like your general psychological type. And and a lot of that that work is based on some theories of C.G. Jung, the depth psychologist who is a contemporary of Freud and and so, you know, Jung was the first to propose that we all have sort of, you know, our basic way of being in the world and, and you know, to simplify, you know, some people are introverts, some are extroverts and, and then he, he went on to develop that theory from there but one of the points he makes that I have always thought was so fascinating is that you know if if your general way of being in the world is sort of like you know you're theoretical you're a thinker mm-hmm. you're you're not so much a hands-on doer if you go out and build something with your hands you know just the act of doing that of occupying yourself in a way that you know doing being in the world in a way that you normally don't do mm-hmm you know, that you will, it'll open you up. You'll, you'll think new thoughts. You will experience things that, and I've just found it to be true. I mean, I do tend to be more of a thinker than a doer. And Mm -hmm. whenever I actually like try to fix something around the house, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's it's hard to put words to it, but, but I think creatively the same thing is true. You know, that whatever your natural inclination is, it's not just like you said, Tony, it's not to say that's, that's wrong. And I think, you know, really ultimately finding your voice is following your natural inclinations, but, but it can be tremendously powerful and it can help open up new creative frontiers when you intentionally do the complete opposite. So exactly what we're saying, there's actually, I think, a theoretical kind of basis for it.
0: And maybe as a, as a final point to this, this resurgence of people photographing using film, Again. Yeah, yeah. You know, and here I am thinking, you know, as you're saying this and hands-on, like, well, what is hands-on in photography lately? And the first thing that popped in my mind was like, okay, well, stick a roll of film in a in a film camera and then go and try to process it. Interesting. Yeah. Yourself. And going back to my days of, you know, working in the darkroom and there's some parts of that I don't really miss and there are parts of it that I do miss and it's the the crafts part of it, the making of something by hand, which mm-hmm. we've sort of lost in some way by going digital. And it's not a necessarily a bad thing. And this is just how technology evolves. But you know, I'm I'm gonna have a, I think before you said this, I'm starting to have a different feeling about those people who are deciding to to go back to film. Now I have a feeling about when people say this is better than that. So digital right. is better than film or film is better than digital. That's a different conversation entirely. Uh-huh. But I think for what you're saying, to get back in touch with something that you're, you know, it, digital to me is is the thinking process, is thinking. It's zeros uh-huh. and ones. It's a computer. Right, right. And sitting there in the dark standing for hours in front of a bunch of stinky liquids uh, in the dark making prints is certainly the opposite of that. You know, it's your hands right. are doing the work. So to me, that might be a great thing to try you know go back to shooting film and uh see where that gets you and it certainly slows you down a bit you know
1: yeah it's interesting yeah because you know especially like you have that film background tony you know i i got into photography in the digital age although i mean as a kid i did thank god took a photography class you know and was in the dark room a little bit so i have some sense of that but you know a lot of people don't and so yeah i think just to kind of experience that um in a you know through your senses you know holding that paper and uh working with the liquid chemicals and smelling it you know Mm -hmm. yeah just just as an experience I mean somebody ought to set up a business just to make that experience available to people who are into photography and want to just have some sense of what it's
0: about. Yeah, hopefully it's uh, not hard to find because uh, people sold all their enlargers and yeah, right, stuff. is hard to find. Yeah, I yeah. maybe I'll put this in the links. Uh, I just as you were saying this, someone's got a Kickstarter for trying to take pictures off of your iPhone or Android phone or something like that w- using an enlarger. So you put this, you put your iPhone into an enlarger. And it projects down onto a piece of photographic paper and then you go and develop it. So somehow mm. you're able to take your picture on your phone and make a print from it. It's sort of a mix of both worlds. So yeah, I'm curious about that. But, you know, if it gets you hands-on experience and like standing up in the dark and sort of an idea of what it was like in the past, that's a good, you know, it's a good opposite, I think. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We've talked a little bit longer than I think we usually do. but. <laughs> You know, and I think we can keep talking. Away. Yeah, yeah. This is an endless subject, and, and hopefully we can come back to it. So why don't we just wrap it up now while we're ahead? What do you think? All right, sounds good. Where can people find us? All right. So you can find us on our website, which is switch2manual.com. We're also on the Twitter at switch the number two manual, so switch two manual. We're on Facebook. Right? Yeah. So search for us. Yeah. And, switch. Yeah. and, and uh, give us likes, lots of blue thumbs up. That makes us happy. We have a Google Plus community that we're building. And so join us there. It's a great way to share pictures. We have a Flickr group, which you can get to from our website. And if you have any comments or questions you can email us at info at switch to com. we also you can tweet us out too if you want you have uh, ideas for uh shows or questions please do that and if you subscribe to us via itunes we would love it if you gave us comments and you know multiple star ratings there somehow i think that will help us out a lot um i believe i don't know but it looks good that we have Reading so,
1: yeah, and it's always fun for us to get feedback, and we've got some really interesting questions that are, you know, um, giving us ideas for future episodes. So feel free to comment; we do read them. Yeah,
0: please do. So I think that's it for today. This is our twenty-first episode, and uh, looking forward to twenty-two. Right? Yeah. All right. So okay. uh, see you later. Adios.